everyone. Welcome to the Worship Artistry Podcast. My name is Jason Houtsma, and it's Memorial Day weekend, so Dan and I are actually off getting some much-needed R&R, and I hope you're doing the same. But this week, I had a great conversation with Daniel Ornelas, bass instructor, bass dragon, as Dan would say, and uh, it was fantastic. It's about the hospitality of worship. It's a great discussion. It's about the values that we hold as worship leaders and what really drives everything that we do in serving our church. I think you're going to really enjoy the conversation. So let's dive right into it. Bass Dragon and all around great hang, Daniel Ornelas. I'm excited to talk about this. It's um, it's something that um, obviously having been in a bunch of different bands and dealing with a lot of different folks and playing with a ton of different worship guys over the years, uh, it's strong on my heart because you meet all different people that have different approaches to worship. Um, I'm I'm guessing that a lot of the rock star worship leaders are all tuned in right now. I can't wait to hear about the hospitality of worship. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, I'm not an usher. I'm not a waiter at someone's table. I'm a rock star. Are they? Okay, let me let me ask you this before we jump into that. Do you have you met people that are really like that? Because I feel like people always put that on worship leaders. But I don't, at least in my own experience, I haven't run into any real rock star worship leaders. I feel like people are just like, that guy thinks he's a rock star because, you know, maybe he didn't say hi to me when he passed by because he was preoccupied or something. I know, I've definitely met worship rock gods. (laughs) (laughs) What are they like? You don't have to use any names. uh... Man, it's just sometimes, you know, you get the sense that, and I guess it's, it's just, you know, I always talk about this idea that, you know, we play music. And the and the the biggest model that we have in the world for music is is all the other stuff that we that we encounter in culture every single day, like you two or whatever it is that you see. And somehow you're marrying this idea of being on stage with a guitar and singing to people. Um, you're marrying it with this idea of leading people in worship, but also this other thing, which is being on stage and singing to people, which is basically being a performer or a or a, a star to some degree. And when you when you get people that have um, you know, financial success or some kind of a claim or, and it, if it happens real quick or if, if they just build up to this point where they really grow in their stature as an artist and they're getting awards and accolades and it's, I think it's hard for them not to, it's more hard for them not to actually feel that they appear of Bono as opposed to someone that's leading people in worship, you know. Mm. So I, th- I think you have winning Dove Awards and, and Grammys or whatever it is that people get for for being, you know, notoriety for for music can can get tangled in the idea that they that there's something else other than someone that leads people in worship. And I don't think there's anything wrong with artistry um, at all. But that's really um, that's really good. That's like the name of our podcast and website. Yeah, it was subliminal. I'm trying to get people to sign there's up. There's nothing wrong with worship <laughs> artistry. <laughs> no, not at all. And and I mean that's the that's the tension is that you know if you if you're going to be good at something. And then you're going to be told, "Hey, you're great at this." And if you're told you're great at it, the temptation is, "Hey, I think I'm I'm a star." <laughs> mm-hmm. And and uh, I think that's you know we go right back to the beginning of time and why you know the devil fell from from grace. He was like the lead worship guy in heaven. We've probably heard this many times, but this idea that he was full of pride uh, because of his abilities, and that's why he fell. It's it's quite a it's a really core part of being a human, you know. Uh, that idea that that we that the idea the tension between humility and being good at what you do. I don't know anything about that. I am like super humble in everything <laughs> I approach. The reason I'm so humble is I'm super average in everything I do. <laughs> exactly. Uh, clearly, you're you're saying that being the rock star worship leader is the opposite of this hospitality of worship idea. So why don't you why don't you brief us a little bit on the on on being hospitable? 
I guess just my, my initial analogy I'd love to bring up is, you know, if some guys um, that drive a Ferrari down the road, you'll see a guy coming down the road in his Ferrari and you go, you could immediately say, what an idiot, he's got a Ferrari, right? <laughs> um, and and in, to a large degree, some people buy a Ferrari so that they can, it's a status thing and, and the identity is all wrapped up in the fact that they drive that car and they're, they're totally tangled up in it and it's a complete mess because the guys are just an idiot when he gets out the car he's like puffed out chest wandering around like i'm the i'm the bee's knees because i have this car and in in essence where you could say the car is actually driving the guy because he he's not the owner of the car the car's got him completely right mm -hmm. and then other guys like maybe really in, like love cars since they're a little kid they happen to have made enough money and they say hey i've got enough cash for this i'm gonna buy myself a ferrari but it's not at all their identity so you meet that guy super laid back super sweet guy and you go hey this guy owns a ferrari and he's not an idiot that's weird <laughs> because you know so there's two you and both guys own a car in the same way with the worship thing if you're elite, if you're a worship guy and you and you're a worship leader if your identity is wrapped up in the fact that you're a, an artist or a star or you're a songwriter whatever it is it it can be a pitfall for you but if you happen to write worship songs and you happen to lead people and you happen to be great at leading people and you know people love your your you know what you're bringing from the stage and it's it's just there's there's two two view two approaches to that you can either you can still be a great performer play really well suck people in with like you know all the all the stuff that you do but it doesn't have to be a bad thing if it's not um your identity and if if you don't if it doesn't change how you feel about people um and i've met those people i've met people that on stage you like they're, they're an incredible personality they're like you go wow like someone like jeremy campbell you get you get guys that you go wow this guy's a great performer he's he's amazing at what he does he's a good singer he really plays well. And then when he's off stage, you're like, man, this guy's actually such a sweet guy too. Yeah. Uh, and that's when it's special. And then the other times you, you meet people and you, you've always loved their songs, you've always loved their music and you go, can't wait to meet that guy. And you meet them and they're an absolute jerk and you go, oh, what a bummer. I wish I'd never met you. Yeah. You know? I actually heard this this story. Uh, it, was on, it was on one of my favorite podcasts uh, called The Moth. And it's just people telling stories from their life and they just kind of basically stand up on stage and tell the story. And this one girl was speaking specifically about, um, I forget, it's Adam something. He's the lead singer of The Counting Crows. Okay. And so, and he writes all this music, like he writes all these lyrics and they're really emotional and passionate and feel very like, like he just feels like this really arty guy. And so this girl yeah. was just saying she was just such a super fan of him. She was like crazy about him and she had created this piece of art to to show him and she had a friend that got her to the place or whatever. So she was able to actually go back and see him. And immediately the whole time he just tried to sleep with her, like just went full on rock star. She's just like, Oh, you're this like sensitive human being. And he's just like hitting on her the whole time. And she's like, let me show you my art. And he's like, listen, you want to come back with me? Like just what a mess, just what a jerk. Right. Yeah. And then, and then she went out and she gets in the cab to leave and and the and she's crying and the cab driver like stops and is like all nice to her and she's like so here it is i'm like idolizing this guy who i think is going to be this such a sweet person and the sweetest person to me that night was the cab driver <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing yeah so the, this idea i guess of of hospitality it's actually not my idea obviously um I've I've had a conversation a lot of time with Brenton Brown and we we speak at worship conferences and we and Brenton's actually uh, being the guy that I've heard mention this before, um, and it really struck me as as a truth. 
Um, you know, if we look in the Bible for the word worship leader, um, you're not going to find it. <laughs> There's no job description like that in, in the church. You can get pastor, you can be evangelist, you can be, you know, you can do all these other fivefold ministry things, but you're never going to find that the physical job of a worship leader. So then how does it fit in to scripture and should we even have worship leaders? Um, and I say, yes, I say that, um, you know, obviously all of us know the power of music, the power of um, the ability for melody and, and these beautiful things to draw you close to the Lord. Um, all of those things are super important in the church. Um, and so how do you how do you work that out if there's nothing in the Bible that says that? But there is. There's tons of scripture. And I actually pulled up this thing on uh, desiringgod.org. Uh, you guys may want to read this afterwards. It's, it's a message by John Piper. It's called Strategic Hospitality. Um, and it just has a bunch of scripture in there about you know what how we're supposed to be hospitable as as christians um the the first thing says let love be genuine hate what is evil hold fast to what's good love one another with brotherly affection uh, outdo one another in showing honor never flag in zeal be aglow with the spirit serve the lord rejoice in your hope be patient in tribulation be constant in prayer contribute to the needs of the saints and practice hospitality um, and, you know, when Job was protesting against his sickness, one of the virtues that he said he never ne- neglected was hospitality. In Job 31, 32, he said, the sojourner has not lodged in the streets. I've opened my doors to the wayfarer. And then you have God saying, God, about Job saying, Job is, a ma- you know, he's a man of, of after God. Um, and then in, in the New Testament, it even says, um, to the community, Romans twelve thirteen, contribute to the needs of the saints, practice hospitality. It literally says, pursue hospitality, and the verb implies a continuous action. So the command in Romans 12 is that hospitality is not just a once-a-year thing in Thanksgiving or Christmas, but a constant attitude and practice. So, you know, when, when you imagine people coming into your home, which is the church, you know, church is like a, our home where we go and visit with each other and have community. Um, the, what, what our job is, is to create a space for people to meet with Jesus. Uh, they're not there to watch a rock show. They're not there to be blown away by our amazing shredding licks that we've learned on worship artistry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but th- what they are there for is to, is to try and connect. Yeah. Tapping and yeah, th- what they are there for is they're there to, to connect with the community and to worship the Lord. And, um, if we can, if we can approach worship leading as a, as a hospitality ministry of saying, I want you to feel as welcome as you can. I want you to be as fed as you can be fed. And I want you to feel comfortable in my home. Um, then you've had a success, you know, and you can do that without a massive PA system. You can do that with a great PA system. You can do it, you know, with a small band. You can do it with a big band, um, and you can do it without tracks, and you can do it with tracks. Yes, <laughs> preferably um, without tracks. Yeah, <laughs> but but the idea of it's of of saying, you know, we got a whole bunch of people of different ages, hopefully, if your church is healthy, coming into the same room and expecting them all to sing. I mean, just think about like a, a 75-year-old granny and a 15-year-old boy and going, how do you get these people both to feel comfortable at that point? About sing, during the worship session, you know, during the singing part of the, of the service. And it's, I can tell you, it's, it's not so much about song choice. It's much more about the attitude that's coming from that stage of, of inclusivity, of saying, hey guys, here we are together. We're going to connect with the Lord. Uh, and so in order for all of you to feel comfortable, um, we're going to make sure our, our, our music's you know played really well, but also at the right level. And 
Uh, you're not trying to you're not trying to do something other than just be hospitable because as soon as you do that that's when everything fails if you're the drummer and you're like i'm going to show these people my mad licks i just learned this week from worship artistry i'm going to do that one massive fill and even though we're playing as the deer i'm going to do the <laughs> as the deer <laughs> you know and so there's an attitude of of saying and why are we there and um and it takes the pressure off you of, of hosp- hospitality is not a big uh, you're not expecting to put on a show like when people come visit you and you put out a few cookies for them and, and some make some tea it's not a high pressure job <laughs> uh, if you're trying to impress them with like a whole bunch of other stuff that could be that could be difficult but when the job is just all you're supposed to do is make them feel at home um, and you've had had success because that's what hospita- hospitality is then I think you've won as soon as people feel like they're at home mm-hmm. so when you think about that it's there's a couple of things I want to draw out of that. One is the whole thing of, of worship being something where we're, we're trying to engage in singing with other people because it's such a foreign concept in our society at this point. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like where else do you get together with a bunch of people and all sing the same song? An Irish pub. (laughs) Yeah. That's pretty much it. And that's probably one of the better pictures of hospitality that, that there is. It's actually, there's a scene in the movie once. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. Uh, I did actually. Yeah, it's a great movie, and it's you know it's I think I think it was in Ireland, but they're just they just had a house party, and it and they they just had all these musicians come over and hang out, and they're all sitting around the table drinking wine, and and they're just taking turns playing songs and singing, and yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, that is the best picture of worship music, I think I've ever seen. Even yeah. though they're not actually doing worship music, it was just like this is family, it's community, it's people gathering around in a comfortable environment. Yeah. And, and just kind of laying their hearts open, which I'm like, that's what worship is, right? Yeah, totally. And so, so much of what we express to people as worship leaders, worship pastors, mm-hmm. right, how do we express that hospitality? Because like you mentioned, there's different ways to go about it. There's, um, I, got to, I just got to go to this amazing dinner that was like a fundraiser thing. And it was like, somebody couldn't make it. They had already paid for the tickets and they gave it to us. So we're like, yeah. sweet. Yeah. And you know, here we are, we're sitting at this table with all these like really wealthy people. <laughs> like, like, Oh, this is a good time. I, I play, I teach guitar, <laughs> you know? That's and, amazing. uh, and we've got that. And then, you know, everything is, you know, everyone's dressed up. There's the, the food is brought out in six courses. All the waiters come out at the same time and stand around you. Wow. like in a circle and then they're like go and then they put all put the plates it was like ridiculous right like it was amazing. amazing but it's also totally different you know that's like i could say like man how hospitable was this it was amazing it was so much hospitality we we're in a guy's home like in his like mansion library on the sitting on the puget sound it's yeah. incredible wow. But it's like, man, wow, thank you so much for opening your home this is an amazing thing and sometimes i think kind of like I, I liken that to say like the big production thing, right? Where it's yes. like, okay, what we're trying to do is we're trying to create music this way and we're trying to, to draw people in this way and it's this other thing. And then you have all the way on the other spectrum where I call up my buddy and I go, hey, I'm just going to throw something on the grill. Come on over. Let's hang out. I got some extra food. Yeah. You know, those are two both very hospitable <clears throat> things. Yes. That's a really great point, Jason. In fact, um, that that's that's the thing. That's exactly it. Is is the idea that some people that are um, that are that err on the side of 
of the barbecue beef thing like whatever's in the fridge you're going to get that but i'm going to be super humble about it and you're just going to come over and i'm going to look after you can be saying to the other guys you can't have a five course meal on the puget sound that's not right yeah and and that's usually because they either don't have the ability to pull that off uh, and so they're just that you know you find the guy that's 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 really sloppy as a as a leader he's really late he's he um never really puts new strings on but he's he's all about the spirit of god and man god's and you don't need anything else other than this guitar with these four strings five strings on it uh, <laughs> you know and it's usually that guy who's who's erring on the side of like not being anal about all the other stuff because it suits mm-hmm. him personality wise he's like i don't need those lights and i don't need a, a good set list i'll just go as the spirit leaves mm-hmm. did you get that as the spirit leaves yes <laughs> Yeah, no. So, so the, you know, the thing about it is, m- both both sides, both camps can look at each other and go, you know, you're not organized enough, and and how can you do this for the Lord? And then the other guy says, well, you guys are too, you got too much of a program going, so how could you do this for the Lord if you don't let the Holy Spirit have space to move? Um, and I think it's 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 both and neither. You know, like you'd said, um, there's there's you can err in both occasions. You know, with regards to that, and I think that having Having the really well organized machine like like you like your fancy meal dinner, um, as long as it's still hospitality, as as long as the end goal is still looking after your guests and being humble about it, mm-hmm. I think it's completely it's completely doable, and I think it's great. Um, and it, and then other other degree too, if you don't have all the lights and you don't have all the sound, um, to feel under pressure that you have to have that and that they, that people are missing out because of the fact that you don't have moving lights and smoke. That's where the error comes in is that people feel like um, because they're weekend warriors or they're, they're a small church in the middle of nowhere, they feel like, man, if only we had all what what every, what every those worship magazines are telling us we're supposed to have, we could really have great worship. And I, th- I think that's the error is too. Is it's an insecurity of saying we don't have all that we need. Um, and, I'm, and I'd love to say today to you, actually do. You have everything you need um, mm. as long as you, your heart is to look after people. Um, and then to the guys that have the big productions, I'm like, be careful that you don't lean on that and and build this massive program um, with you know with with your planning center and everything's organized like that. But you don't actually care about what those the people that are coming through the doors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's easy to do both. You know, you can you can get completely sucked into the the practical job of actually having to pull off a big production and then forget completely why you're doing it. Well, you're you're speaking so much about you know it. To try, you're speaking so much about a heart attitude, right, and a value that's there. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, I, I I do notice, like for myself, when I'm when I'm working really hard on that produ- like on the production side, or I've got this idea, or you know, usually usually I'm the disorganized guy that's like, hey, come on, guys, we're all just gonna sing these songs. It's great, you know, like yeah. I because my environment allows for that. That makes sense in my current environment. So. How do you then how do you then express those things? Because you can do you have to do it from a high level, right? That's like the place where you start. You have to start from that. This is my heart, and therefore, what I do will hopefully the spirit will use it in that way because I'm trying to be hospitable and I'm asking God what I should be doing and I'm acting out in that way. How do you? What are what does it look like? Do you think to be hospitable on a practical level? You know what what does it look like for a big church that has uh, the production thing or a little church that has the production thing. Um, where do you see hospitality there? And then where do you see, uh, hospitality in the smaller, in the smaller things as well? Like what are some of the practical things that you look at and go, man, that was really, 
that really made Good me feel at home there. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great, Jason. Um, you know, you, you'd mentioned a couple of things there, and I want to answer like in two two parts. The first one is um, you mentioned that it's an it's an attitude of the heart, um, and it's it basically bleeds out from from where you from from the core of why you're doing stuff, your motivations. Um, and I think that if if that is if that is correct, then everything else works. But what what can happen even to any one of us is we can get caught up not because you're a bad guy, but just because you get caught up in the other aspects of doing what you're trying to achieve. So you're running down the road trying to do something, and then all of a sudden you don't realize, but you're off the path a little bit of what your motivation was in the first place. And it takes something like this podcast. You might be listening to it right now, going, "Man, he's right. I feel like I've I've been spending the last six months really pursuing." You know, getting the 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 kind of practical side of this going instead of just going back to my. F- it's the same as when you're in church and someone says, "Let's come back to our first love and the reason why you, why you're serving the Lord." And then everyone comes forward for prayer because they kind of are saying, "I want to go back to that place where my heart was right." And I think mm-hmm. in the exact same thing here, um, you know, you might be in any church situation and go, "You know, Daniel." Uh, I never thought about it, but I've been caught up in this and this, and you, it, all it takes is an adjustment to go back to where you know you should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so the the Bible says in one Peter four verse eight, it's, it's a command to be a certain kind of person. Above all, hold unfailing love for one another, since love covers a multitude of sins. Practice hospitality ungrudgingly towards each other. Ungrudgingly, that means be a kind of person who uh, who do it and like to do it. <laughs> you know, you actually like being um, being ungrudging about it and it usually comes from the top you know if you're the worship leader and you're on staff uh, and you in your job is you're being paid to actually be the lead guy um, then your main job is actually to to be hospitable to the people in your direct circle first so in other words the band um, and serving them in a way that's hospitable instead of being a like a top-down leader like in the in the typical sense of i'm the ceo and you guys work for me even though you're volunteers Mm -hmm. the idea that you serve those people will then pour into them a heart of hospitality because you, people lead by example and then people go, wow, I want to be like you and you have such a way of serving me. Um, and when people say to us in those, I've said this before probably, but when people say, how do I get my drummer to play softer in church? I usually say, take him out for lunch, you know? <laughs> and the idea is, is like, if he wants to help you by playing softer and he wants to please you, then he's going to naturally say, if you say to him, hey, can you turn down, can you play a bit softer? He's not going, you just don't want people to hear me. He's going, I know you love me, and I know this is for, that you want the best for me. So because of that, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna play softer, uh, and because I know it's going to help you, and, and you serve me so well, I'm going to serve you as best I can. And then in doing that, the whole band, not only you as the worship guy, you all are, are have the same idea of serving the, serving the, the church, um, which are the people that are going to come through those doors. Um, and if it means not playing bass for the for half of the song, because that's the best way to build up the track, then you're going to do it. If your idea is like, I'm up here, I'm going to play. And if you look at half of these songs that I teach on the website, um, some of these arrangements, you don't come in on the bass until like the second verse after the chorus, which means standing on stage for a whole verse and a chorus. Uh, but if that's what's right for the song, if that's the best way to be hospitable and, and serve the people through the arrangement of the song, then do it. And, and it should be something that comes out naturally because your your desire is to do the right thing. That Does that answer the question on a practical level or not really? I mean, I th- yeah, I mean, I think some, I think that like having the image of, you know, um, I, I, I don't know where it came from, but somewhere along the line, like I recognize this and I, I think there were, I'm not one that reads a lot of the 
I don't know, I call them self-help books or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I would seriously pay so much more money for a pamphlet that just had, like, here's the three points I want to make. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's why I write the, all our green room posts and, like, hey, here's, like, three quick hits. Because I don't want to read. I don't need you to tell me, oh, and also it's like this. And also it's like this. And also it's like this. It's like, quit wasting paper, man. Just tell me the, tell me the story. But So I don't read those books very much. But it seemed like for a while there... There was a there was a a period of time where where the, that that idea that you were talking about kind of that top down infrastructure kind of invaded the church. Oh yeah, right where it became like, hey, it's about this presentation, and you know you need to get other people to do things for you because you can't do it all yourself. You're the pastor, and you need to protect yourself. And I don't know if this is something that happened everywhere, but it's just been my own experience. I've seen it happen mm-hmm. in a, in a number of spots, and it's important to protect yourself. It's important to uh, to not totally burn yourself out. Um, I know all about that. Uh, at the same time, somewhere it seems like it did turn into like, well, the way for me to function in my gift, which is a high level gift of leading the worship and leading the songs, that means I need to designate and or delegate to all these other people to do all the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh yeah, well, sweet. Well, I don't need to show up and like set up the sound system. That's not my gift. Somebody yeah. else has a gift for running cables. You yeah. know? And somebody yeah. else has a gift for, um, you know, whatever, setting up chairs or whatever it is. It's yeah. always kind of like, I don't, I don't have that gift, you know, and mm-hmm. you kind of lose that image of, of service. Did you, have you found that in your own experience? Do you see? Oh, absolutely. I have a, a guy that plays drums with me right now in, in worship, in the worship Republic band. And he's just come off staff, um, at a church. And he, he was saying that, you know, that, that he was manipulated because of his age and he never even realized it till he's now married and he you know and he's like man i remember when i was first working at the church people would say well you're not married and you don't have a life so you can do all these things you know and, and they, they gave him all these crappy things to do and because of his young his age and because of his naivety he he would do stuff that was definitely outside of his job description definitely just manipulation and and it was basically because the other person whose job it was 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 saying i, I can get this kid to do this and and mm. he 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 feels burned out about it and you know and I think I think it's important like you've said before I think in our last conversation about how you would lead by packing the chairs and eventually people that love you are like hey you shouldn't be doing that on your own uh, you're our worship leader I want to help you with this so that you don't have to do that and you still end up not doing it but that's not because you didn't want to it's because you got the people volunteering to help you because mm-hmm. they see your value in saying we want you to be able to sing. And we want you to be able to be not be tired when you have to sing tonight at the second service. So you go and just relax, man, while we do this. And and, and it's a much it's the same outcome. It's just a different way to get there, as opposed mm-hmm. to being forced to do it. People are like, I want to help you with this. And when people volunteer themselves for it, then then they're empowered and they don't feel like someone's bossing them around. They feel like it's my choice as a peer to help you out. And you their their own their own. Um, self-worth is intact because it's their it's their own blessing to you instead of you saying to a volunteer you have to do this this and this and then they go oh there's my boss you know um and the funny thing is you know when you can say well i work for the lord because he's the boss and you have to do this and this for him <laughs> then it's like how do you compete with god you can't be angry with god who's your bo- who's the boss you know at least if it's a normal boss you can go that guy's such a jerk he makes me do all these hours but when as soon as you like <laughs> I'm actually doing this for God. And you go, oh, how can I compete with God? 
he's telling me to do all these things. You know, that's you got to just be aware that people can manipulate. And I've seen that a lot in the church, especially when it's top-down leadership, corporate America sneaking into how things are run. And obviously, you have to run church like like a, like a hierarchy to some degree for it to work. This has to be a leader and a head, and you have to have someone calling the shots about what they get. Otherwise, nothing gets done. Um, but, man, it's very, very sad when you see, you know, that whole corporate thing kick into gear. And I've seen very big churches implode when the pastor is eventually like, is like a god because he's the mm-hmm. big CEO. He's not he's not a servant-hearted leader. And he's got all these people running around who, who are trying to please him because of the fact that their church is growing so big and it's they're part of something that's successful. So they feel like they're in on the ground floor of a business, a big business that's booming. And that's what their church is. And that's so t- it's so tricky because it just grows out of control and, and people feel like I'm a leader in this big, amazing thing that's happening. And my big leader, I'm going to do whatever it takes for him to be happy. And then there's just a mess. You know? it, makes you, it makes you wonder what the, what the real definition of, of success is. You know, like oh, absolutely. I, I was reading about um, you know, generationally when you have kids, right? it's always kind of that I want my kids to have more than I had or have a better life than I had. Right. That's always generally generationally. We're always trying to do that. But generally what you have, a lot of times people equate that success to money. Right. And so, you know, um, where, but what a lot of times what that does is actually ends up hindering the next generation because they don't have to work for it and they eventually don't learn how to handle it. And then yep. they blow it all. So the, the, you know, the typical progression is one generation makes it, the next generation maintains it, and then the next generation just blows it. And yeah. then you start all over again. I know like my wife and I have been talking about you know, what, is, what is success? What is a better life than what we have? You know, it's like we've got food on the table. We have a house that we live in. You know, and we're you know, being, being in some circles that we're in, it's like, oh, man, you can be surrounded by all this money. Mm-hmm. But then you have to ask the question like, well, is that what the actual success definition is? Is that the best thing for my kids to just have more money? Mm-hmm. Like actually probably not. Absolutely. That's probably not what it looks like. That might be an outcropping of them being successful in life, but trying to get them to be wealthier. Is that? And I think sometimes in church, we kind of get that idea of, of, well, what is success? Like what's a successful worship leader? Well, a successful worship leader has the best sounding music and a successful worship leader has a big church because more people want to go when they're there and maybe their service is outgrowing the other service because the music's better there. And that's what we picture as success. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a lot of ways I look at it and I go, you know, the most successful worship leader is kind of the guy that doesn't really get noticed. Yep. You know, if the, yeah. if, if, if the worship leader is kind of like walking around and, and, and nobody views them as the worship leader, like yeah. they're probably like, that's probably the most successful thing. Cause I mean, you just came in and went here, let me, let me guide you in this direction and let me kind of humbly serve underneath you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally, man. I agree with that. I was just in a church recently this two weekends ago in California and the pastor there, he's, he's such a good dude. I mean, he was the last one to lock up the church when we left in the evening. He was the one that stayed behind and hung out with everybody. And he's so accessible at that point that everyone just knows they can walk up to him and talk to him. He's just a, just a guy like anybody else. And the, the church feels so healthy. Um, you know. And then there's the other extreme where I won't mention who, but there's a pastor in a massive church that we know of 
who's built a, a, a garage for his car that, that is on the outside of the church that he pushes a button, he drives through the garage door, closes it, and then drives his car down a concrete tunnel right to the backstage to his room and gets out and walks on stage and then when he leaves he climbs in his car and drives out so he never has to actually interact with one human being in his church and uh, and it's, oh. it's that's just mind-blowing to me i'm like who are you man you know, and, and I, I get it there's a lot of people in his church but surely there's different there's a different way to work out um your time and work out that you don't get taken advantage of and all those kind of things um and i think that i think that's that's heading for danger and as a as a worship leader it's, it's the same temptation is to is to say these are the guys i'm going to spend time with you know the the real win is if you're serving 10 or 15 guys like jesus did he served his disciples his 12 guys he probably poured a lot more time and energy into those guys and then in turn those people went out and loved on other people and and was was hospitable to other people because uh, you can't he, jesus couldn't have been like the hospitable guy to everybody in his whole crew but as long as he's serving a bunch of people and he's pouring his time that he does have into one bunch of guys and they're going out and doing it again you know then people everyone feels loved um by that 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 leader and so in the same way with worship guys I think if you know your band will know whether you're an idiot or not, and I've met so many guys that really don't like their worship leader guy, but it's the only chance they get to play in front of people, so they put up with him. Well, and the and the one of the, the kind of the practical things about that is is just we all have finite time, right? We yeah, all have finite absolutely. time, we have finite energy, and we have to make choices all the time. Yeah, you know, I you know I do worship artistry. I used to be on staff at a at a large church, you know, more than a thousand people or whatever, and. And then I, now I'm, I'm on, uh, I put it in quotes, like I'm on staff at, a, at my church, which I helped planted, plant like 10 years ago, which has intentionally stayed small. But mm-hmm. because of that, like I spend, I, I, like I say, I'm, I'm quote unquote on staff. I basically just come in on Sunday and set everything up. I run the practice. I plan the sets and then it's all done on Sunday. Right. And so I have a very, because throughout the week I just have, all my time's going into the website or, you know, I do, I still do a few private lessons and that sort of thing. And so I'm working like, you know, basically seven days a week. So trying to, um, trying, try, th- when you do that, you have to make choices about what you're going to spend your time on. Right. So you, yeah, absolutely. like, I can't spend time on, you know what, I'm going to spend like three hours making sure that this overhead projection has all the right background slides and that it has this really subtle movement, which is not a not, which is not a not valuable thing. Like some people really connect to thing, vis, things visually, yeah, sure. but it's like, I can't, I can't look at that. I have to go, all right, I could do that or I could show up early and set up the sound system for everybody. So when my players get there, they get to just plug in and play because we're a small church. We have to set everything up all the time. So you always have to kind of make those decisions and so I think having that guidance, if you look at hospitality as kind of main, your main overarching value that you're, that you're living by, that'll kind of help you make those decisions. Totally, 100%. Man, I love it when people agree with me 100% and totally. Um, if you guys have some thoughts on this, we'd love to hear them. Uh, you can go and check out this post and comment on it over at worshipartistry.com. Just go worshipartistry.com slash greenroom and this post will be in there and it'll also have some of the questions that we answered on the live webinar uh, typed out there for you so you can read through those. There was some great discussion as well. Um, 
If you want to talk to us, you can either write to us for member mail, which will be back next week. It's no fun for me to do it by myself. So next week we've got some great questions and we want to, we will always want to get more. So you can tweet to us at worship a podcast. You can email us support at worshipartistry.com. You can also hit us on our Facebook page. We got all kinds of things going on and we love to hear from you. As always, I'm just going to ask you if you like this podcast, if you enjoy it, I would love it if you would uh, leave a review for us over in the iTunes store. Pass it around, subscribe, tell people about it. It's a huge help for us. And finally, Bethany, thanks again. Your help on this podcast and putting together all the questions at the end and just moderating and being awesome is probably way too often overlooked and not given enough credit. So thank you, Bethany. Dan, thanks wherever you are. You're probably out on a golf course somewhere. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Later. Later.